Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to The Britflix. Frightfest preview podcast. This is part two of two podcasts with me in conversation with Graham Skipper talking about sequence break. So if you've come to this first, part one should be available where you got this part two from. Anyway, back to my conversation with Graham. I mean, weirdly, yeah. you've, you've just talking now, you've reminded me. When I was 11, I did a public speaking competition at school where I did the history of video games, which was, oh, really? which was 1983, just to give you my vintage. But okay. I can still remember just standing in front of the whole school with the line, in 1979, the Tato Corporation gave us space invaders. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I don't that is amazing. God, I've pulled that one out of the fire. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I think, too, that there's something about, about video games in particular that are, um, that hold a special place for, you know, for, for kids that have the ability to play them because, you know, I think it's one of the first opportunities that a kid really has to, 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 sort, to experience, like, real danger, mm. you know? Like, I remember sitting down and, and, Finally, getting to play Super Mario Brothers uh, when we when we eventually got a system and and I'm playing it and and I just remember you know it was it's like that same feeling of when you first sit down to play a board game like Hungry Hungry Hippos mm-hmm. you know it's so different from from anything else that you've done because there's like you are in control of something that that could either win or lose and because you're a kid and your imagination is so huge that stuff's so real to you you know. And it becomes, there's a feeling of panic. I mean, I remember playing Hungry Hungry Hippos as a kid, and there was such a panic of like, oh my God, I'm really, this is all on me. You know? It's an, amazing, it's an amazing part of the, human, of the human psyche, isn't it? That we can, we can stand in front of a video game and be no, knowing we're like 500 points off our top score. Yeah. And, our, and our little heart will start going, you're 500 points off your, uh, off your top score now. Yeah. And suddenly that makes you very nervous, very anxious, very excited. Yeah. And it's very real, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's not life or death in reality at all. But but I suppose in your in your movie you're taking it that stage further where it is like where you are going to be in it 
submerged, yeah. no, not immersed, submerged in it. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I guess people who'll be familiar with with the films we mentioned before, like Almost Human and Beyond the Gates, you've 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 employed and enjoyed. I I know I no doubt wonder um, sort of old school practical practical special effects, almost like the gloopier and the slimier the better for your for your movie. Yes, absolutely. That that was really important to me. I mean, I I. Uh... I think that, you know, I think that there's certainly a place in the world for CGI stuff. And I think that it, I mean, we, you know, we use some of it in our movie to help, you know, you know, you got to, you got to scrub stuff out, you know, like, you know, make sure you can't see the wires, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, 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 for me, there's something that you just can't replicate um, about, about a performance and about, you know, a visual effect when you don't have that thing right in front of you. And I think that even, you know, even if, like, I've, I've heard some people say, well, you know, the, uh, uh, it, it, it will never, you know, it will never look as, as photorealistic as, you know, something done on a computer will. Well, I think that an audience, you know, will automatically, you know, buy whatever you put in front of an actor if it's physically there on screen way mm. more than they're by something that, you know, has to be like digitally replaced or, or put in. And especially with something like sequence break, where the whole point of it is that this guy is is feeling these nodules, you know, and he's is yeah. uh, you know, it's it's about it's about the physical connection, you know. And and so it was absolutely imperative to me uh, to have those effects be, you know, top notch and you know, completely, um, as, and, and to go as far as we could with them. Uh, mm. So, you know, our, our our effects team were some of the first people that we approached about about this. They're they're it's Josh and Sierra Russell of Russell Effects, um, yeah. who actually did the effects on uh, on Beyond the Gates as well. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I had worked with them on a few films as an actor, and I knew how amazing their work was, and I'd become friends with them, and you know, in in the real world, and um, yeah, I went and talked to them about it, and they immediately got what we were going for. Hmm. Um, you know, they immediately understood it and they read the script and, and, you know, from day one, everything that we, uh, you know, that, that we brought up and that we talked about with them, um, you know, it was like, Oh, we get it. Yeah. Here. What if we did this? Oh, perfect. You know, just add more slime. Uh, that was probably probably the, the words that I used the most with them was just add more slime, goopier, goopier. Um, but it was fun, and I think it was I think it was fun for them to work on too, because you know this is really, you know, this isn't your standard, you know, blood and gore stuff. This is you know pretty imaginative, and and I really you know wanted to give them the artistic freedom to you know to you know to take my ideas and then go as far as they could with them. Um, you know that was really important to me. I liked I liked also your 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 the when we're in the kind of unreal world. I liked how you you just painted that world black and had your actors sort of in it, but it wasn't like it was neon lit or or you know anything computer at all. It was just like this isn't the real world. This is this is where they've ended up for now, and they've got and they can't they can't survive here. So go with that struggle. But it is it's a very you, you keep it simple. If that makes sense. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, I. I... 
you know, I, I guess uh, keep it simple, stupid is is a moniker I really <laughs> try to live by a lot. You know, I I, mm. I think too that for me the, you know, part of part of what is is scary about 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 that you know black void mm. uh, is is that it's um, it's just so stark and empty. Um, and I, I just, I wanted to make it a place that was truly scary and unsettling that, that we as an audience, uh, would also not have a fun time being in. Um, you know, I think I was, I was really affected growing up, um, reading this book, House of Leaves by, uh, by Mark Z. Danielewski. Um, it's a fantastic book and the, the basic story of it is that these people buy a house and then they realize over the course of the story that the house is like six inches bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And throughout their stay there, you know, a hallway appears and then a door appears and they go through the door and there's this <laughs> huge, is you know, like you do, um, and there's this huge, you know, like infinitely large pitch black space um and all they hear is growling just out of you and to me that was so frightening an idea yeah you know being in this huge place where you didn't know where the walls were and and you can just barely hear something just beyond where you could see and you know so i thought well you know if you're if you're going into this other place, wherever that is, that the video game is able to take you, uh, you know, how, how much scarier could it be than to suddenly find yourself in, in a, in an, an infinite black void. You know, no, and, and, and let's be honest, that's, you know, <laughs> the, the void, the void is meant to be a void. There's not meant to be anything there. So the idea of filling it with details would only confuse the, 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 the vision you were trying to, you know, you were trying to sort of give us. Sure. Have you? I mean, have you seen Under the Skin? Because there's this, there's, there's, oh, yes. there's some similarities oh, yeah. there, you know, with the way where where Scarlet takes them off to be sacrificed. There's, there's, a, it's similar. I mean, it's a different, a different kind of place she's she's ultimately taken them to, but it's the similar effect, which is I need to, I need to show not the real world. So therefore, if yeah. I show if I show nothing but black, then we know we're in a kind of hellish place. Yeah, it's um really uh yeah I I love Under the Skin a lot. Um, and that, uh, uh, all those scenes I think are just so beautiful, um, and, and just so evocative and kind of the, a perfect representation of what I think horror is capable of, uh, which is showing us something that's equal parts terrifying, um, and totally, you know, sexy for lack of a better word. No, no, totally. totally. And that's, and that's also part of what's confusing watching your film because Fabian is covered in this oily liquid and she's squirming around and stuff. And she's a beautiful woman, but this it's horror, and this isn't you know this isn't meant to be. There's a, a little bit of sort of I don't know. It's not S and M, is it really? I suppose, but it's it's like she doesn't know what's going on, or is it just Chase watching it happen to her and stuff? Sure, I mean you know like look at Hellraiser, right? Like Hellraiser, I think is a perfect example of of sex and horror, you know, combining together in this really evocative way. I mean you you know. Man, Pinhead's a sexy dude. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he is. But, but, you know, it, it's also he's also totally terrifying. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is about about horror in particular that that, you know, uh, brings brings out the sexy. 
uh, or, or what the tie is, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to, to sort of, you know, sens- sensuousness or whatever. Mm. Um, but there's something there. And, and I think that, you know, we, uh, we, we wanted to play with that of, of having people, um, you know, hopefully walk out of the theater going, going, Oh, you know, that's, God, that was, you know, really disturbing, but I also feel strangely turned on. <laughs> no, 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 to- no, totally. totally. It's, it's that, it has got that quality. Um, and, and that's off to you. Um, and now you mentioned the, your, your dream about the melting head. Yes. And I think it's, I mean, it's safe to say that when, when, when people get to see that, it's gonna, it's, I think it's almost, it almost gives you like a, a warm, a warm feeling where you're, you're at that point you're throwing us into almost like peak VH, VHS years of, of horror films. It feels like it took us to a familiar place, even though we were watching a new film. Huh. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, that moment, obviously, like, it was one of the sort of seminal moments of, of writing the script for me. But, um, you know, I just, I think that uh, the, the way that I looked at, at directing this film is, you know, here we have an opportunity to to really, you know, go big or go home. And... Mm. You know, and and let's you know do. Let's let's really swing for the fences, and let's you know go as bold as we can. Um, you know, and and the uh, the melting head. You know, which uh, I guess I, we're enticing you, uh, dear listeners. Uh, you know that that to me was one of those moments of going. You know, yeah, man, let's fucking melt ahead and. <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, that in the, you know, I guess in the film itself, you know, at that moment, you know, the, you know, our, our, hopefully our audience's faces are melting off as well, you know, and that's, that's the goal. It's like, let's push the audience as far as we can. Um, and, you know, cause that's what I like to see when I'm watching a movie is I like to walk out going, oh my God, you know, I wasn't expecting that or, oh man, I've never seen anything like that or. Oh, that was you know that that was so visceral for me. No, and um, I think I think that's it's, the, it's it's a word we've used a lot in this conversation. And I think it, I think that's the, the really important thing. This is a this is there's, a, there's an experience to this to your film that that, and I think that's what all good body horrors should do. I think you should feel like you've been dirtied a bit, you know, because sure you're you're, yeah. lay, you're laying it out. Um, so I mean, obviously you've 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 made the references to Cronenberg. And I think you know it's it would be unfair to say video drone is is a is a key influence on on what the finished film ended up being. But but from your point of view, what do you think? What what do you feel you've brought that's that's new to the body horror world? What what, do you, what are you what are you thinking? There's there's my little my little addition to the canon. Um, that's a really good question. You know, for me, it was always really important not to um, not to copy. Mm-hmm. But rather to to build on, um, I feel like I feel like there's not enough body horror in the world, and I feel like when people talk about body horror, they're really talking about Cronenberg's films. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 I guess he, you know, there, there's certainly more of it that that is coming out. But you know, for me, I wanted to um, I wanted to make a film that first and foremost was was a love story that was then interrupted by. Uh, by by elements of body horror, 
Mm. Um, and I wanted to, you know, tell a story of of um, a guy whose reality is crumbling around him, and how does he deal with that? Mm. Um, I guess you know, if I had to answer, you know, what is it that I've um, added to the canon? I guess I'd say it's the the combination of of a of, of believable characters um, with body horror, with the with, with with you know the psychedelic imagery of you know like uh, I mean I I'm comparing myself here to a master, but like you know I like uh, Ken Russell, uh, okay, you know, Altered States was like a huge influence on me. Right, um, love where his films take you, and and so it was about combining you know combining those elements of body horror with elements of of you know psychedelia and uh and and sort of that concussive uh you know nature of of what film can do um to to you know take the audience on on that kind of a journey yeah what you, 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 talking like that you reminded i i was lucky enough to have um larry smith on who was um kubrick's dlp on eyes wide shut he was on the podcast of <laughs> last year and and he said one of the things that Kubrick used to say when they when they were trying to get you know to sort out what they were doing with the design and look of of Eyes Wide Shut is he says he said I don't want it to look real I want it to look interesting now obviously that's a fairly vague term but I think we know what he's getting at don't we yes 100 percent 100 percent it was <clears throat> for me you know that I gave I gave this note to every person in every department on working on my film and okay. I said I said, uh, when given two choices, always make the bolder choice. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is all the one golden rule, make the bolder choice. And, you know, whether that's lighting, you know, like there were, you know, I remember there were times when me and my DP were, you know, were talking and I was like, I want, you know, a hard shaft of green here, you know, and, and sometimes he would say, but that's not motivated by anything. We don't know why would there be a shaft of green light? And I would say, that doesn't matter. It's a movie. You know, I want, you know, th this needs to be visually, you know, this is visually really striking. Mm. Um, you know, and in the end, you know, we're like early on in the film, um, you know, Oz holds this this blue, this sort of blue lantern. He does, yeah. And it was really important to me, and it was written in the script. He's holding this blue light. Um, you know, and, and color and light is, is obviously a theme throughout my film. You know, but I remember that was another discussion of why would he have this blue light? This doesn't give off any light. Why would this lantern be blue? It doesn't make sense. And and I, I sort of evoked. I can't remember who it was that said it. Um, gosh, I'm I'm might have been Nicholas Rogue, um, who I can't. It probably wasn't him. I can't remember. But basically, the he he was. Uh, uh, somebody was asking him about about all the blood in his films and yeah. how. You know, and, and everything, and, and he said, he said, well, it's not blood, it's red. Oh, really? And, and yeah, and and I, I just, that's so awesome to me, to go, yes, this is an art form. It's not blood, it's red. Yeah, no, uh, you, you really, you throw me a curveball there. I've not thought about that before. And that's just, it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and so for me, like that blue light bulb, I said, it doesn't matter what the function of the light bulb is, it matters that it's blue. And, you know, and, and then when you see the film, you know, hopefully, you know, I mean, as you know, you know, there's stuff that happens at the end where color really plays a big role, mm. uh, you know, and, and I 
so yeah, it was all, all, all that stuff was, you know, visually it was really important to me to, to totally stimulate, you know, at every moment. Um, because that's the stuff that I like to watch, you know, and, and for folks that like to watch, you know, kitchen sink dramas where everything's totally photorealistic, then that's fine too. You know, that's just not, not what I'm particularly interested in. Um, yeah, you know, that it was all about, it was all about light and color and sound and making sure that the sound was, was big and bold and, and, uh, ear shattering. And, and you can tell me this is a spoiler and you don't want to answer it. So I'm, I don't, it's only because you just talking there about, about the use of light. And I remember making this note when I was watching it was, were you literally trying to give us this insinuation of the, of the red pill and the blue pill thing from the matrix? Was that, was that going through your mind? <laughs> um, no, it actually wasn't. Um, but I think that I'm sure that that somewhere in the, uh, overall, you, you know, in, in how the universe sort of connects us through myth and, and story, you know, I'm, I, there's something about red and blue. Obviously they're primary yeah. colors. So, I mean, we, we, we start with them on everything. So it's not, yeah. Yeah, you know, like for me, it was really about, you know, that it's it's about uh, we'll we'll leave it at it's it's about showing that that there are there there are uh, there are two two paths, um, yes. and and that you know, and red and blue, I think, are both evocative of that, um, and also in general of, of video games. You know, uh, I'm I'm always really, you, you know, when when you look at a at a video game, especially you know, an older game, a classic game, um, you know, it's all broken down into red and blue and green. Mm. That's, you know, if you look really closely at the screen, that's what it is. And you, and those things, you know, combine to make different, you know, different colors, but that's ultimately what it is. You know, Mario is just red and blue. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of about using that as, as kind of a gateway into, you know, making a larger statement about what's going on for the characters at the time. Well, look, uh, before we close, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about a, um, a classic video game for yourself. I mean, if I, if I, told, I mean, mine is either, as, as a kid, was Astro Blaster. Oh, yeah, it's a great game. Which had obviously had the warp thing where everything slowed down, which was lovely. And, and going back a little bit further, just Galaxians. Sure, yeah. With the little yellow, the little, little thing sitting on the top of the spaceship, one just one shot at a time, which was yeah. always, always frustrated in 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 that era of the video game. But but, yeah. but what but what for you was your what's your what's your kind of what's your Citizen Kane of the arcade machines? <laughs> you know, for me, for, for me, I, I'll probably say, uh, uh, and and I'll say too that this game was was a heavy influence on our design for the game in my movie. Um, but it's Tempest. Okay. I, I was always weirdly like afraid of Tempest, you know, like in our local arcade, there was a Tempest machine and it was always it was sort of unsettling to me and I'm still not exactly sure why. Um, but you know, Tempest, like, do you, do you know Tempest? Do you I know don't think I, no, I don't think I do, but I don't know by but, name. I'm going to, well, you keep talking and I'll, I'll try to throw an image up for myself. Yeah, so it's basically there there's it you know, each level is you have these different geometric shapes and you're in this sort of spider like ship that crawls around the edge of it and shoots at stuff that's coming up out of the center. Yes, I and do. Then, no, I do I just didn't know its name. No, I do know it. Yeah, and, and it you know, it has I just remember it has this really stark soundtrack to it. You know, it's all black with these very, you know, intense colors and these strange shapes 
and you're in this weird ship that looks kind of like a spider, which is sort of sinister and weird, you know, and and it's just something that is is just uh, it it it. It was always incredibly challenging and impossible to define. You know, like at least with Battlezone, I was like, oh, these are tanks. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that, so I was reminiscent of looking. You know, but then, but, but, but with Tempest, there's nothing that you can really lock onto, which I think makes it even weirder and stranger. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I really loved playing that, you know, and then, and then obviously I had, uh, you know, a Nintendo at home, and so things like Super Mario Brothers. You know, we're just you know Super Mario Brothers and Kid Icarus and Metroid. And, you know, those those are games that I played a lot. But but as far as the arcade goes, you know, it was it was uh yeah it was all about Tempest and and I also have a soft spot in my heart for the the Simpsons side scrolling beat 'em up game. I don't know if I played that one. Oh, it's great! It's great. You play as one of any four of the family members and you go through Springfield and beating up Krusty and stuff. I. This is completely an aside. I did. I, went, I did the the virtual roller coaster for the Simpsons at Universal Park. And, oh um, yeah! And the smell of Johnson's baby powder when we're inside the baby's mouth is the freakiest That's... thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> I know those guys. That sort of stuff is like total magic to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think too. You know, that's probably a little bit why. I mean, I love stuff like that and, like, ha- walk through haunted attractions and, and stuff like that. I, I just, I love the visceral, you know, we keep saying visceral, but that, that you know, very tactile, like, feel of, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of this. And I think that's, The Simpsons Ride is a great example of something where, yeah, man, you're getting smells thrown at you and, you know, stuff's hitting you in the face and you're totally surrounded by this, you know, by this entertainment. And so, in a way, you know, what I try to bring to my films as best I can is a feeling of, of uh, being, being totally transported to this other place and, and being assaulted um, by, by the tools that I have at my disposal. So, that's what I try to do. Well, look, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time on the Britflix podcast to preview your movie ahead of Fright Fest. Hey, thanks so much. And yeah, I mean, anybody that's at Fright Fest, come, you know, come on up and say hi. Have a beer with me. I'd love to. You have been listening to the Britflix Fright Fest preview podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first time.